If you're looking to start a podcast and already have a podcast and you're looking for an affordable podcasting hosting site, Podbeam is your number one choice. Podbeam offers statistics with in-depth analytics to manage your podcast needs. Use the promo code podbeam.com slash pbsignup and get a free month off. That's podbeam.com slash pbsignup to get a free month off and see why 1,500 episodes have been shared all over the world in the past 11 years with over 3,000 subscribers that have chose Podbeam as their number one hosting site. Podcast City Network. You're listening to The Everest Lee Show. Welcome to Ever Lee Show. I'm the Ever Lee. Want to give a quick shout out to everyone that follows me on social media and, of course, Podcast C Network, the official host of the Ever Lee Show. My guest that's on the line right now, you can catch him every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on FGW Shockwave on YouTube. Future Great Wrestling's Jay West. How you doing there, Jay? Me on the show. Looking forward to this. Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm I'm excited to sit here and talk with you because all the action I've been seeing on FGW Shockwave, man, I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I see with the product with FGW, man. It's just amazing. Just the product they put out there with the talent. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, FGW's been putting in a lot of hard work, and uh, a big shout out to uh, Brian Levick. Uh, for uh, for doing everything he has for us and, and giving us a place to do our thing. And, you know, hopefully once we get through this quarantine business, we can get back to, to doing live shows again and entertaining the people up front, face-to-face, first person. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, you know, FTW is a great place to wrestle, great place to work. So yeah. glad, really glad you're a fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed what I've seen every every week just going back and since been in quarantine i've been going back and i decided just to refresh myself and start from the beginning and just watch all the way up with the 24 episodes that's available on fgw future great wrestling's youtube channel but one one thing that sticks out is when i'm watching you on fgw and then before i had you come on here on on the program I did some research on you. You've been around for a while. You you've been around in the wrestling business for a while, man. I didn't realize, man, how long Jay West has been wrestling, man. <laughs> where did that all start for you? How where did that all start for you? Oh man. Um <laughs> well, um you know, I was a fan of wrestling as a kid. Uh had access to some of the old school uh, you know, WWF and then uh uh, moved around a bunch, and and by the time I, I wrestling and I found each other again, uh, it was during the Monday Night Wars, and I was on the WCW side of things. And uh, near the end of high school, I got the chance to uh, was staying with my grandparents and was watching WCW Saturday Night, and got to see a, a, a wrestler by the name of Shark Boy make his WCW debut. Oh yeah, and so man, you know, always been a fan of of luchadors and masked wrestlers. You know, was a big fan of Rey Mysterio Jr. and his entire career dating back to Mexico before he was even in ECW. And then uh, uh, my senior year of high school, I uh, started training with Cody Hawk at HWA for a few months. Uh-huh. Uh, just things happened one way, things happened another, and I had to had to separate myself. And then. Uh, was working my first real job out of high school and was listening to uh, an, uh, a hotline they used to have in the area called the Wrestling Guys uh, Radio Show Hotline. Right. And I would call them and listen to uh, to the updates on there. And at the end of it, they advertised an opportunity to train with Shark Boy uh, at a facility in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh-huh. Um, but that was limited. So I I locked out. I got my money together and got my application in, and was one of the one of the nine selected for the class. Nice. That's that's amazing. Shark Boy. I remember watching Shark Boy on WCW. Man, that's 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 amazing. There. I remember watching <laughs> watching that there. I was I was big into the Monday Night Wars. I was into that during the during the Attitude Era with the WWE, and then of course you had WCW with what they were doing with the NWO, and just being a part of that. I mean, just 
you know, Phil and being a part of it, watching it on TV there, were you were more WCW or WWE guy? So at the time, uh, I was I was more of a WCW guy. Uh, one because they had the cruiserweights, which uh-huh. you know most of the people who said they were WCW followers, it was two things: NWO and the cruiserweights. Uh, the other being that at the time, uh, my mom was not a fan of the WWE product uh, during the Attitude Era because of all the all the sex and scantily clad women and everything and. And she she was like, I don't approve of you watching that. I was like, well, look at this. Here's a guy dressed as a superhero doing a bunch of flips in the air. She's like, well, I don't really like it either, but it's better than the other one. So, okay, that's fine. You can watch it for an hour or so, you know. So, yeah. so WCW was my – I don't want to say I only watched it because it was my only option, but that essentially is what happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Jerry Springer type stuff that WWE was doing, it, did, it, it attracted the young college and teenagers – crowd it attached you know more that right there and the wcw was more focused on more wrestling the the cruiserweight division i mean damn you had eddie guerrero dean malenko you had ray mysterio i mean you you mean chris jericho was in there and then uh you know you had uh los vianos uh, who was, uh, it was up, up and upwards. I think there were four of them at one point and they all looked exactly the same, same gear, same build. Uh, and then you started getting into Lismark Jr. Who, you know, who, who was really good in second generation. Uh, Juventud Guerrera, uh, had a great feud with, with, uh, Chris Jericho and lost his mask to him in WCW. Uh, uh like you said, you got Psychosis. Yeah. Uh, who had a long-standing feud with with Ray in Mexico? They came in the business together. So you had all these guys that had all been tied together before, but hadn't had that international experience aside from some trips to Japan and a little bit in ECW when Paul Heyman brought them in. But then once they hit WCW, they skyrocketed. Yeah, you know? yeah, they did. They did, especially when, especially when Guerrero, Malenko, uh, Benoit, and Perry Saturn when they. I remember when they that night they showed up on WWE Raw. I was like, "What the heck is going on?" And I, I've said this story before on the podcast. I mentioned this. I was watching it with my dad. My dad like flipped out. He was a big wrestling fan. I used to watch it with him all the time, and he flipped out and he was like, "What the hell are they doing over here?" I saw him over here a few weeks ago. What are they doing over here on this programming? I was like, "Let's just wait and see what they do, man." And they had great careers. There, I, I feel like when they went over to WWE, their careers went further i mean look what look at the stuff eddie guerrero did <laughs> he had a great mm-hmm. career Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. i mean like the biggest thing that you got to see him do in wcw was uh was mock the nwo with his stable the lwo yeah you know and it was essentially the same story they, they you know instead of nwo wanting sting the lwo wanted ray and so on and so forth and you know, so they were they were all really limited. Uh, same with Jericho. I mean, Jericho's career exponentially exploded uh, once he made the jump. You know, was actually given a platform to show off his ability and and really show that he had the the capability of being a star, not just an not just a you know. Uh, uh, oh, well, we got this guy coming up before your break, uh, and then now we go on to Hulk Hogan or or Kevin Nash or Scott Hall or. Eric Bischoff or Sting or Luger, you know, or Macho, you know, your typical seven, eight guys that were always in, in circle or in, uh, uh, you know, being cycled in. Yeah. Um, but now these guys get to go and actually do things. I mean, look at, look at Jericho. You know, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day uh-huh. and I asked him, I said, what, would you, what was the, like, of all the debuts in wrestling you ever saw, what was the one that really made you go like, holy crap? You know, and you know they were like, "Well, I know when I saw Flair come out, and I, you know, I know when I saw Rick Rude show up at, you know, at, I, I can't remember the order. You know, he was at WWE and then showed up at WCW the next night. You yeah. know, but for me, it was the whole build-up and Jericho's debut on Raw to cut a promo against The Rock. I mean, how lucky can you be? I mean, how fortunate can you be?" That's your introduction to the company. You're not just coming in in a quick match and maybe a few words. You have a five-minute segment and months of build-up with this countdown clock, and nobody knows what's going on. Now that's that's number one to me. Yeah, that 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 was crazy. I remember watching Raw that night live, and then the Millennium Clock like counting down, and then here's Chris Jericho, and it's just cutting 
cutting that promo, and I like for uh, I still remember, of course, Rock's response. And what is your name? It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> Just some great stuff. Just some great stuff. Now, being a fan, being a fan of WCW, and then watching back and forth with WWE when 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 no one was looking. <laughs> When did you decide to yourself? You said, "I this is what I want to do with my life. I want I want to be a wrestler. I want to I want to get in get into it and just go with it." And of course, you said you contacted Shark Boy and stuff. But how how serious were was it? Like when you when you when you explained to your parents and your grandmother, you said, "Hey, I'm going to go be a wrestler." What was their response? <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good one. Um, so, so it was, it, it was funny, a number of years ago, uh, I had to talk with my sister uh-huh. and I, I, asked her, I was like, you know, I, I was never anybody famous, you know, but I got to do some really cool stuff because of wrestling. And, and, and to me, that's, you know, that's as much fame as I need is I just got to experience it, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I, was, I asked her, I said, you, you remember we, you know, when we were kids, you know, and when I looked at you and said, I'm going to get into wrestling and I might've been you know, 12 or 13 at the time. And I was like, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. She, uh, she was the only one from my family that said, I knew you were going to do it from the get go. Uh, the minute you told me that's what you were going to do. She goes, I knew you were going to do it regardless of what anybody said. Um, not that my family wasn't supportive, uh, because they, they were, they wanted me to, they wanted me to take risks in life and, and experience things and learn things. Um, but, you know, as I started breaking in was still very much that, you know, your size does matter. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I'm not a tiny guy by any means, but when I broke into wrestling, I was, you know, I was six foot tall, 180 pounds, uh-huh. you know, so I was, I was a string bean in the ring and, you know, and yeah, even if I put on some muscle by comparison to your WWE guys at the time and your top name WCW guys, when they were still around, like, like I, you know, I was a cruiserweight at best. Uh, it booked me as the first half of the show guy, and and be done with it, you know. So, um, after after a while, you know, the family started noticing, like, yeah, he's he's getting around and he's doing some traveling, and you know, I suffered some injuries throughout it, and uh, once that happened, and I kept wrestling afterwards, uh, the family was like, we're we're sorry, it's it, we don't we they're not disappointed me for wrestling they don't like that i wrestle um and they can't come watch me wrestle because they said it's uh it's too hard for them to see me in the ring and and getting beat up and everything it's it's hard for them to get behind that you know because they just see me as just getting beat up they're not experiencing it as a as the whole show right um so it's it's kind of one of those things like uh, my stepdad He'll, he'll ask me about it, and he, he he's like, man, I love watching Jay wrestle. I love watching go out there and kick someone's ass and all this other stuff. And I'll see my mom out of the corner of my eye, and she'll go, yeah, yeah, he's you know he's he's good at it, you know. And then we kind of just move the conversation away from wrestling. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 good. You got to you got the support and just going out there and and just doing it, man. Because from from everyone I've talked to in that's in wrestling in the business it it's it's not it's not easy starting out when you're doing the training and everything and just getting into it it's it's not easy it's for some people or some people it's not for and then you get some people i've heard oh yeah i i I played high school football i can do this and then when they get in the ring they take that bump and then they're like no (laughs) it's not like it was in high school football (laughs) Right, right. It, it, uh, you know, it's it, it definitely takes a special breed of person um, because wrestling's, wrestling may be a show, but uh, aside from the obvious physical test that wrestling and wrestling training put you through, there is a, there's a whole level of mental test that you go through also that uh, even as somebody who played competitive sports growing up, you know, I, I wrestled in high school and I played basketball for years before there's, there's, there's a whole different type of mental test that comes with it because 
when you're performing, when you're when you're in the ring and you're you're wrestling for a show, you have so many things going on at once, so many pieces of this. It's almost like being a juggler, and every every five seconds or so, somebody else throws a a, a chainsaw in or throws a a juggling club that's on fire and or you know throw something else in there so and you've got to keep all this going at once you know because if you don't all it takes is for you to drop one thing and then like man Jay's match sucked tonight yeah shit I, all I did was drop a torch but I juggled these other 13 things but it doesn't matter right you know so that kind of testing it goes into it and you uh you'd be surprised the amount of time that you spend in here in your own head, kind of kicking your ass over something you might have missed or, you know, kicking your ass over something that you wish you had thought of before. Um, maybe you wrestled somebody new and you didn't gel very well together or it could be any number of things. Uh, maybe you didn't do what the company was asking of you. You know, you, you had one idea for it, they had something else, and you guys didn't meet in the middle on it. So there's there's all these different pieces that come in that, that just being in wrestling training, which is extremely difficult as it is, uh, and that's definitely not for everybody. I can't tell you the number of people I've seen quit in the first week that came from uh, you know, came from MMA. Well, I, I fought in MMA. You know, I can I can be a professional wrestler. Well, you you have a lot of skills that may transition to wrestling well, but right. the biggest difference is you train for three, four, five months for one fight. And if that guy gets knocked out in the first 30 seconds of the round, you're good to go. You train for six months, knock the guy out 30 seconds, you're done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to train nonstop yeah. while also competing multiple times a week. Right. And regardless of what happens, i got to keep going. Because if I stop, then any traction I started building with fans backing me, you know, places wanting to, wanting to do interviews and things like that, those disappear real quick, yeah. And then you got to start all the way over again, and then you got to start building it back up. So even if you've been around for a while, if you take any time off, you lose all that. And then you got to start from scratch. That's that's a good point. I I like that. That's that's a really good, valid point, and a good way to look at it. There, I never really thought of it that way. That's really insightful. I like that. I like that. Speaking speaking of being around for for a while. I looked in to some matches that you had on YouTube that I pulled up. I typed in J J West Wrestling and a bunch of stuff came up and I'm looking at stuff there. They got stuff that's going back probably about seven years. I and I said to myself, he Jay's Jay's been around for a while. He he's been around different promotions. What what promotions have you been into and or wrestled for, and then after that, I want to mention the three matches that I watched uh, watched of yours. Okay, um, going back to the beginning, uh, the first promotion I wrestled for was uh, DCW, mm-hmm. uh, which runs the uh, Dayton and surrounding areas now. Um, that was back in two thousand and three. Uh-huh. I think and it was about the time I started. I got into training with Cody in 2002 and then started wrestling shows in 2003. Um, man, uh, yeah, so number of promotions uh, here in Ohio. Uh, DCW was one, Buckeye Pro Wrestling when it was running in the Middletown area. Uh, that was that featured people like, uh, you had guys like Shark Boy. Uh, we brought in Eugene from WWE. Uh, I got to do a tag, ma- a couple tag matches with him. Nice. Uh, Cody Hawk was there. The uh, at the time they were known as the Irish Airborne was there, which is uh, Dave and Jake Christ. Um, I know guys like Sammy Callahan early on was coming through there. Um, so there was a number of talent. Carl Anderson was there for a little bit. A bunch of NWF guys were there. Uh, wrestled there when they were still running. Um, was at NWF for a while under Roger Ruffin for a few months. Um, went to Indiana. Uh, spent a lot of time in Indiana for a lot of different promotions. Uh, spent a lot of time just driving around, going to various places. Um, EWF, which was ran by Jason Maples, uh, he now runs Heroes and Legends. Um, but back then, he ran a place in Marion, Indiana called EWF. And that was really 
it was really where I started to gain a lot of traction uh, and a, a promotion really saw, I guess, potential in me. Right. Um, and he started bringing in a lot of guys with a lot more experience than myself to give me people to wrestle. So that's where I got to wrestle Jimmy Jacobs. That's where I got to wrestle Cole Cabana. That's where I got to wrestle Chad Collier. Uh, from HWA, but then went to Japan and became a became a mask gimmick. Um, shoot, Marty Janetti, I got to I got to wrestle him there. Nice. Uh, and then I got to spend time talking to other guys that came in, you know, like Tracy Smothers, and you know, spent three or four hours after a show one day just shooting the shit with him, and and he was just you know telling me one thing after another, and I'm trying to remember all of it. Like I don't care that I got to drive two hours to go home. Like I, I'm not going to stop until this guy gets in his car, and he's not getting his car until he thinks I'm going to stop. So we'll be here all night, you know. <laughs> um, you know, spent a lot of time there, and then um, uh, came back to Ohio, wrestled for a few other places, uh, and then took some time off because you know I injuries were starting to catch up. You know I'm I'm going on 17 years this year, and Wow, uh, you know, I was I wasn't kind to my body before I got into professional wrestling, and I definitely wasn't kind to my body when I first got into professional wrestling because I was a high flyer. Um, oh, during the time with EWF uh, in Indiana, so that would have been between uh, late '04 through '06. Um, I met up with a bunch of guys from Michigan that were coming to EWF also, and that's where I got in with Price of Glory, which is ran by Dan Severn. Right. Um, and got to did uh, did a bunch of shows up there for them, uh, getting to you know spend time with a lot of those guys. You know guys like Jack Thriller, who uh, became a pretty good friend of mine. Uh, Ernie Balls, Brian Bender, uh, Eddie Venom was up there. Um, Frankie the Face, who was a, a vet that they looked up to from that area. So got to spend a lot of time with a lot of different guys in different areas and get a lot of different opportunities because of that. Wow, that's that's amazing! And seventeen years, wow! I, I, I didn't know, man. Damn! <laughs> God dang! You look on your face when you're like, I found these ones from a while back. It was like 2012, man. You've been around a while, and I was like, shoot, 2012. I was going on ten. I was going on nine or ten years at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. God dang! Um, since since you since you mentioned seventeen years. Well, I'll I'll save this question for last because uh, I want I want to I don't want to mark out here and be like wow you know because I am excited that you're on here because just looking at your matches that's that's one thing I pulled up three matches I went through and I'm just okay I'll pick this one I'll pick this one and watch it the first match I watched of you right here I pulled up was it was from May twenty eighth. 2018 almost the recent one i can find of you you uh it was uh nations of wrestling it was jay west versus mavis i watched that match there yeah you know yep. which one i'm talking about there one when have that match right there just you coming out there and then mavis coming out man mavis i mean mavis was a favorite and of course, you were you were you were the heel. What what I liked about it is, I've I've noticed noticed this when watching you on FGW, and this right here because your style. One one thing I one thing I I like about you is when when in this match here when you started it off, you, you kind of pace yourself. You kind of get it going a little bit there. You start pacing yourself, and then once things start going, when uh, you you get the upper hand. And you're controlling it, controlling the match. As soon as your opponent comes to an offense, here you come, boom, with a with a move like a off off the ropes crossbody, boom. You shut them down. You shut them down. You keep them grounded. And then as time goes on, it starts building up. Then you start pulling out some moves here, and it's like wow. And it's just you build up. You build up a damn good match. And for the finish there, I wasn't happy with it. I was like, damn. I was like, fuck, he didn't win. <laughs> but it was a good match. It was a damn good match there. I I like that. I like how you built in that match there. It's paced out slow, some lockups, and then off the ropes, some action. You keep your opponent grounded. When he starts getting the upper hand, it starts getting hot. The crowd's getting behind it. You come in with the move, you shut him down. I mean, I love that. That's one thing I loved about that match, the pacing of it. I appreciate that. It's uh, it's one of those things where you know, uh, 
I've I've worked pretty hard in wrestling. I like to feel. Um, I'm not saying I've worked the hardest. I know there's plenty of others out there who work harder than I do, and I know there's plenty out there who don't work as hard as I do. Right. Um, but I, I was very fortunate um, that I got to learn from Cody Hawk, and I got to learn from Shark Boy, and then later down the road, um, I actually got to spend some time with Les Thatcher, who taught both of them. Okay. Um, and so when it comes to when it comes to reading your opponent, knowing your opponent's abilities and your opponent's limitations, and what you can do with that in terms of reacting to it or being prepared for it or, or, or doing something with that to keep the fans entertained, um, I got to credit those three guys as, as the reason why I have any ability at doing that whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, it, you, you don't learn how to be a good storyteller by talking all the time. You just got to sit and listen, and it's what I tried to do with these guys. You know, mm-hmm. here's this, or here's this, or you're not doing this right, or you know, and why why are you doing this, bro? You know, bro, you know, like constantly catching these things. And like some people are like, man, I can't, I can't stand when so and so talks to me like that. And I'm like, to be honest with you, yeah, it sucks early on, but when you learn what they're actually trying to say, and don't just don't take the initial impact. Wait for the wait for it to subside so you can hear the message. You learn so much more because they're going to go, "Hey, I need your attention. This is where you're screwing up." Oh crap! I didn't even see that. And then put it, implement it, and start running through it again. It's like, oh man, that was a lot easier. Oh wow, that came across a lot better with the crowd. So it's it's just one of those things where it's like you can't. I got a lot of. There's a lot of analogies I could use right here that I got from from one of those grizzled old trainers uh-huh. um, that I'm not going to throw on your radio show. But let's just say that there's more than one thing in this world that you don't you don't want to just rush to the finish for. Okay, right. you got to build it up. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I noticed about that match. That's what I really liked about it because by the end of it, the crowd was really into it. They were they were on fire for the match there, and I, that's this one of the matches there that that I li- I really enjoyed when I watched here. Next match I pulled up was Jay West versus Jeff Mayhem. Now, mm-hmm. Jeff Mayhem, what I've noticed was from coming off that match there, when you wrestled Jeff Mayhem, you you were almost, it reminded me about how AJ Styles wrestles. AJ Styles, when he's in the ring with different opponents, he wrestles you know, to that style there. Whatever he was throwing at you, you were throwing it right back at him, like like this about the same way, and that that was pretty that was pretty damn entertaining right there, just with the action going back and forth, coming off the ropes and stuff, and it just it 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 was good. Just the you're pulling out some high flying stuff there. I was like, oh okay, he's pulling out the high flying <laughs> stuff for this this guy. Okay, this is this is great. This is great. Jeff throws something high flying at you. You come back with something high flying too. And I was like, he reminds you of AJ Styles because watching AJ, depending on who he's in the ring with, and that's that's one thing I admired, uh, admired out of this match was your the adaptation of the style that you used with him with the high flying stuff. I'm- I, I, I appreciate that compliment, by the way, in, in the comparison to uh, AJ, because AJ, when I, uh, when I, right before I broke in and when I first broke in the business, uh, that was one of the guys I looked up to who at the time was, was traveling the U.S. as a top indie guy, uh, was, was faring very well in Ring of Honor, uh, hadn't quite, he had, he had started doing TNA back yeah. in the six-sided ring days. Uh, back when Jeff Jarrett owned it, but it hadn't quite taken off to AJ Styles with Ric Flair or the AJ Styles that you see now, you know, which is a, a conglomerate of all the different variations he's gone through as a character. Yes. Uh, but I really, really appreciate that compliment. Um, that, that's, that was just one of those things, like with Jeff, uh, I, I know Jeff was a, uh, was a very athletic kid. Um, had a, uh, uh, he, was, he was taller than me, and he, he, he had a lot of, he was very, uh, had a very good physique to him, but he was very athletic and very nimble for his size. Right. And when I, when I first started, like I said, you know, I'm, I was six foot tall, 180 pounds. 
I wrestled a cruiserweight style. That was what I spent the first couple of years of my career doing is dives out of the ring and, and, and top rope moves and springboards and lion salts and this and that and the other thing. Um, so even now, I can't fly like I used to. I don't even try. I, I, I take that back. I tried one time recently and it didn't fare well for me. <laughs> but it's not something that, it's not something that, that's not my bread and butter anymore. But in certain special circumstances, I still have a, a the book of Jay West, the pilot, that I can go back to and go, well, yeah, I used to do this thing. This guy's doing this. Well, wouldn't you know it, in 04, I did something that could counter that. Let's see if we can still use this now. You know, and, and, and so starting off as a high flyer in my career who had a technical background because he wrestled in high school, transitioned into a more technical guy, uh, especially after I, I went and studied judo, uh, became more of a technical guy, but now I'm in my back pocket. I have that high flying if I need it, you know. Right, right. That's that's amazing. I, I like that insight right there. The net, the last match I watched with you was Jay West versus diehard Tom McClain. And this is the first time I've seen Tom McClain wrestle. Pretty much really? this... Huh? Really? Yeah, yeah. This first time I've seen him wrestle, I was I was impressed with him. Uh, I liked the gimmick that he was doing at the time with the cell phone, with the Facebook Live, and <laughs> yeah, that was that was entertaining. And then you're out there, and in the match, I thought was crazy was the guy that was filming him. Hey, hey, you delivered from Amazon came. Oh, really? He came out. He was worried about that, but when he got in the ring, there, that that was more of a grounded type match because he, he was a big guy and just that going up against a guy, his size and your size there totally different, you know, different size and styles, but you pretty much get kept grounded with him. And mm -hmm. I didn't expect the finish there. I was waiting for a good finish, but um, outside interference. So basically just threw it out there with the, with the run in with the two other guys coming in and just, <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, okay, it is what it is. But other than that, being like on the ground there and just working on parts, that's that I, I like that. And I thought it was really good, like grounded technical match with holds and everything. I had, um, I had shared a locker room with, uh, with, Tom a, a number of times, uh -huh. uh, but that was, that was the first time, uh, and to date, the only time he and I have ever actually wrestled each other, oh. which uh, we, we discussed later because we don't we don't really harbor any ill will towards each other. But we'd expressed later that we were not only surprised that that was the first time we we had wrestled together, together um, but that you know it kind of went the way that it did. We were a little disappointed. It's like you know, we were we were both looking forward to the match. And didn't get to quite have with it what we wanted. Yeah. Um, but but Tom's Tom's another guy who's been around a long time. He's been around. I think Tom's been around longer than me. Um, but he, uh, I've always been a fan of his style. And even I was a little surprised when, you know, because the things I had seen from him had always been like real comedy based. You know, he's always got this this brash dad bod attitude. He's like the He's like the the dad whose son your kid goes to school with, and like it's like dad, this kid picking him up. I'm gonna talk to his dad. His dad's like, well, if your son wasn't such a once about it, maybe if you could afford something, not you know. So like, I'm always laughing at the stuff he's doing, but I really had no clue that Tom's technical ability was as high as it was until we locked up, and I went, oh. I'm going to have to take this a little more serious now. You know, so here we go. We start doing this, and he's keeping up with me. And, and I started to stumble a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute, guy, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely, that's definitely somebody I'd like to go back and have another match with, um, you know, another environment, another setup, or whatever it would take. But that's definitely another guy I'd like to have another match with for sure. Yeah. Yeah, That I, I was entertained by it. And all three of your matches that I watched – I mean, good good stuff, man. Good stuff. I I, I enjoyed it. I I do want to go back and pull up some more more matches there. I was and check out more stuff that you did because I'm like I I like his style, and I'm serious about that. You remind me AJ Styles the way you you go in the ring and stuff and 
17 years wow i mean just uh, i'm i'm impressed i'm impressed by it man you just <laughs> especially especially the stuff i've been seeing in f fgw man <laughs> there's there's some things i've been wanting to wanting to talk with you about with what i've seen in fgw that stick out with uh everything that was going on with uh with with uh jackson breeze I mean that that right there that was that was some crazy stuff there going on with uh, militant Mark Mark uh, Magnum that that yeah. stuff that stuff was really good there but then when you join the congregation one of the things I laugh about and I have to thank <laughs> Ripper Ripper Blackheart for it when he was on commentary you're in a six man tag you're just standing there. And then Ripper, I, I died laughing because I, I was sitting there watching FGW late at night and I almost woke up my daughter. I was in the living room there. There you are. You're standing there and Ripper, Ripper Blackheart said, said, look what they done to Jay West. He looks like he just came off the front uh, cover of a JCPenney catalog. Look at him. No expression. He looks like a Terminator. <laughs> JCPenney is making Terminators now. I just died laughing. I about choked on my drink and just sitting there laughing. And, and I was like, damn. But the matches I've seen you have, one one that stuck out was when you wrestled Harley Fairfax there. I mean, that's one of the matches there that uh, stuck out, just being in the ring there with her and just having having a having a great matches and just all in all, just all the talent and everything, the stories and everything that FGW is telling, it pulls me in. Someone asked me, they said. What's the thing? One thing you like about FGW the most? I said production, the way it's shot, the way it's edited. It reminds me of those late, like on a Friday, Saturday night, when you watch, turn on cable access TV. There's your local wrestling. That's that's the one thing I like about that. That draws me in. The wrestling draws me in. The storyline. It has everything I need as a wrestling fan when I sit down and watch a wrestling program. It has that. And I love that. I love, I love what I see. What's one thing? What's one thing that you really do enjoy about F being there at FGW? What's the one thing that sticks out? You know, I, I gotta not sound like I'm copping out with it, but I gotta agree with you that uh, of all the places that I've wrestled in my career, um, this has been. Uh, been one of the one of the strongest locker rooms I've ever been a part of in terms of uh, of well-rounded ability. You know, we we don't just have a, a locker room full of people that are really good at one style of wrestling or a bunch of people who are really good at doing one style of character. We've got we've got guys that can wrestle. We've got guys that can fly. We've got guys that are really good at connecting with the crowd and making them laugh or making them boo or making them scream or making them you know cry or whatever they need. Um, so it, it's it's really that cornucopia of, of wrestling options that FGW offers that it probably is what is my favorite thing about it because when I go back and watch shows, I know, yeah, I'm going to see myself wrestle. I can watch that and see, okay, I was out of place here. I could have done that, and it could have looked better, and I could have tried this instead, you know, so I'm breaking everything down. But I can go back and watch the FGW show for everybody else and watch it as a fan and be like, man, this is really, this is really good stuff. And, you know, like, like, oh, you know, JC Flash needs to just quit talking so much because I, didn't, I, I don't, people aren't paying to see him, but he just keeps talking, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just whatever, you know, so, but there's just, there's so many options there for, for a wrestling fan that it doesn't matter what kind of wrestling you like, FGW provides that for you. You know, if you like hardcore wrestling, you need to watch Hooks. If you like technical wrestling, you can watch myself or a few other guys. If you want to watch ladies wrestling, you've got Harley Fairfax and Sean Reed. You know, and plus we bring in talent under all those facets. We bring in talent all the time to to keep things different. So you're not watching the same six people wrestle each other all the time. You're you're getting something fresh every single time you watch, and that's that's one of the things I I really like most about it. Yeah, you you do the the talent's amazing. It is just just like like you said there. I agree. You have so many different types of talent. There's something there for some anyone to watch. Mm -hmm. One just the storyline that is, you know the storylines that's been going on or have been going on, which was 
I watched from episode one all the way up till you know, all 24 episodes. Um, I haven't really gotten into watching the best of yet, but I started to a little bit today until my daughter decided she wanted to watch Frozen again for the millionth time while we're in quarantine. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had to give it up there, but I I am going to get back there and get my get my wrestling fixed there just for FGW and the yeah the the talents just the the stories the story the, the stories I've been really interested in was I, I like it when the bold and beautiful's out there and then Hooks just comes out he comes out they 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 they're a thorn in Hooks side that's one thing that stuck out they're they're a thorn in Hooks side and. Hooks comes out of nowhere. Whether they're having a match, here comes Hooks out of the corner of my eye. I'm laughing because he's coming out there. He's beating them down, whoever's outside the ring there, and he's sending them to the back. And then what really got me was, really hooked me was, I mean, no pun intended, Hooks, <laughs> was he comes out with a damn ba- barbed wire baseball bat or two-by-four, and he's chasing them around there. And I just I was like, wow, this is building into something. And it did with that. With that uh, match, um, I'm trying to get the DVD so I can watch it. I want to see that. I want to see that tables, ladders, or chairs match, man. Because um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a hold of the DVDs and I'm gonna get a get a hold of Origins too and watch that because I want to see what happens. And then, of course, the thing with Darkness Worldwide, that was a big twist there with with that stuff happening. I didn't expect how everything got twisted with Shauna. I mean. I'm later on in the week. I'm gonna have Shauna on, and I'm gonna t- discuss more about that. You know, with the with the story there, that was a big twist there. And then, of course, with you and the in the uh, the congregation there, I was like, I can't stand the congregation. They do it so well. I can't stand them, man. <laughs> <laughs> and there you are you're joining them and there you are just like ripper said i mean uh, uh, i don't want to offend you yeah coming out there looking like you stepped off the jc penny catalog i was just like, that's so great and yeah the commentary i want to throw it out there the commentary is great i mean mood dog mood dog moody I mean, and, you know, JC Flash is great. And then Ripper getting on commentary is just as great, too, man. It's it's a great it's a great product there. And, of course, Cody Hawk, he he trains and uh, helps the uh, talent that comes in there. I mean, he's trained so many, like, greats that, I mean, just John Moxley, Eli Drake, Sammy Callahan. Uh, you know, among the three I can think off the top of my head, but being there training, like, the talent that's there and stuff. I mean, what's training with Cody Hawk? What, uh, what, what's one thing that sticks out most when you think of, like, training with Cody Hawk? Well, uh, I'm one of the people, I'm one of the few people that trained with Cody, you know, even though it was for a little bit, trained with Cody, you know, 16, 17 years ago, and then again more recently, have uh-huh. have spent time with him. And and there's, I don't want to say there's a night and day difference, um, but he's, uh, <laughs> he was, let's just say he was a lot more strict back in the day. Uh, it was a lot, it was a lot more in your face and, you know, very, very strict and very, like, you gotta. You you really had to earn his time. You know. Yes, you're paying for wrestling training, but at the same time, like you're you're paying to use the facilities. But you have to you have to convince this person that it's it's worth their time to invest in you to teach you the things you need to know to be successful. And if you don't show early on that you want to be successful and that you want to learn those things then they're not going to waste their time with you and they're just going to continue to be hard on you and browbeat you until you decide you no longer want to wrestle or until you figure it out and, and meet them where you where they need you to be so then the real tr- teachings can start. Um, I, I've seen him more recently and I've seen bits and pieces of that come out sometimes, um, but now it's he, he just he doesn't really waste his time with it. He's like, look, Either you want to be here to learn or you don't want to be here, and if you don't want to be here, quit wasting my time. You know, but if you want to be there and you're willing to learn, 
he'll he takes all the time he needs to teach you what you need to know to make sure that you're doing it right you're doing it safe you know you're not you know you're not just in there just flopping around and 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 making wrestling look bad making him look bad making FGW look bad um, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that rides on his shoulders as FGW's trainer and and you know the head of, of the pro wrestling uh Pro wrestling camp yeah and and I mean you know if if he can probably he could still make money for sure if he you know screamed and yelled at everybody and told him you know uh, GTFO or whatever he needed to uh, when he needed to but he also at this point now he's like he's like I will teach you if you want to learn how to if you want to learn how to do this I'll teach you I'm going to teach you the right way you're you're going to you're going to do it how I teach you you know but that's not the only right way to do it just know that you you got to listen to me if you're not going to do what I'm telling you to do you know I'll, I'll make you hate this business. You know, because he doesn't want you going out there and saying, you know, with a month of training under your belt and start taking shows elsewhere and saying, well, I was trained by Cody Hawk. And then you get out there and you look like you walked out of a backyard wrestling fed straight into the ring. You know, he, everybody he's trained that he trained fully, those are his business cards. And, yeah. I mean, he's got a pretty good collection of business cards out there. He doesn't need to be throwing junk out there, too. So he's – I don't want to say he's not strict now. Um, maybe a little less volatile, but but he's still very much commands respect for wrestling and for what you're there to do. Um, then you got to earn it. You got to earn your spot with him. Exactly. That's seeing seeing the advertisements there during FGW. Earn your spot. That's I like mm -hmm. that. I like that. That's I don't know what else to say, <laughs> but. That's that's good. That's, <laughs> Definitely. That's how it is. It's it's mm -hmm. it's not just in it's earn your spot, but yeah, you know it's it, it's not once you earn it you can be lazy. It's earn your spot and then keep your spot. Right. You know, and you got to do both. Um, right. And that's that's you know, that's the second part of it. But earning your spot, that's you know, it's obviously the first thing you got to do. And if you can't do that, then it's wrestling's not for you. You know, it's, it's, it, you will, I've seen people who got in who thought that they loved wrestling enough to want to do it and then couldn't or couldn't commit to it yeah. and got to the point where they hated wrestling. They couldn't even watch it as a fan anymore afterwards. And, you know, that's, that's a gamble we all take when you, when you get into wrestling is, is you'll either love it and then you'll love it more once, once you realize, once you learn and once, once you get into it. And or you'll love it coming in, and then you'll realize it's not for you, and then you'll hate it afterwards. Agree, agree. Like, like what I was talking about earlier, like and what you mentioned about football, football players and MMA fighters just trying trying it out there. And with with FGW on hiatus right now, pretty much all wrestling on hiatus. Uh, I know it's I know it's hard because it's something that you enjoy that with everything going on in the world right now it's it's like i feel like seeing all all this talent it's like the thing they love has been taken away from them for right now and not being able to do it not be able to get out there in front of a crowd and get that response hear the cheers hear the boos and just doing what you do best what uh, what have you been doing to occupy your time until everything or gets back to some kind of normal? <laughs> what what have you been doing with yourself uh, to keep yourself busy? So uh, without going into too much detail, uh, just due to the the nature of it, um, I've uh, I've I've been blessed and fortunate with the opportunity to get to sit under the learning tree of uh, some very well known instructors. Um, that have pulled together and said during this time, you know, we we want to still try to help wrestling evolve and get better. Uh, so there's a lot of them that are donating their time on a daily basis. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they're just asking for, if you can, just donate what you can uh, to them to help fund that. Um, I know that, uh, I know Cody is one of the guys on there, um, but that's also granted me the opportunity to, to learn with, um, Guys like Sin Bodhi, who was uh, it was Kizarni. Um, guys like Gangrel, guys like Al Snow, uh, Doctor Tom Pritchard. 
Um, I've done some some studying with um, Mike Quackenbush. Um, so I'm, I'm getting to do these these online lectures and and have done some match critiques with some of these guys. And it's like, okay, this is what I've got here. You know, what am I missing? What can I fix? What can I add to it? Um, you know, if I'm doing something right, I appreciate the compliment, but tell me where I'm messing up so I can get better. Um, I bought Dr. Tom Pritchard's book recently. I've been reading that on a daily basis. Um, and if I'm not uh, getting things ready around the house uh, for, my, uh, for my son that's about to be born, uh, helping my wife out or working, um, wrestling is usually on on my phone. So I'm either watching the WWE Network um, or I'm going through and watching matches from YouTube that one of the instructors has told us to watch or I'm watching one of the videos that I couldn't watch live before, you know, especially like some of the ones that they do where they're watching matches and they're breaking down matches that you're watching. Sometimes it's other indie guys. Sometimes it's classics. Um, so I would say that about probably 12 to 14 hours a day uh, for the last two months has been me watching or reading something uh, about wrestling in order to get better here. Because if I can't be in the ring to do that part, uh, my brain is going to be light years ahead of where it was when I when this all happened. Um, that's that's the best way I can do it. You know, uh, aside from that, uh, I've changed up my diet a little bit. Uh, try to try to trim down some more so I can be back down to my more comfortable fighting weight, which is uh, between uh, 200 and 210. Um, at one point, it was up to 230. And not only is that not visually appealing uh, to anybody, including my wife, but it also makes me slow in the ring. And I can't, you know, what, what should only take me one step to get to, it takes me three steps or one and a half steps. And it, it just makes me, it makes me uncomfortable. And if I'm uncomfortable, I'm sure whoever's in the ring with me is going to be uncomfortable. So I've been working at that to get, to get myself more streamlined, get back to the more uh, aggressive uh, style that I that I prefer, um, I, but like I said, aside from that, it's uh, if it's if it's not wrestling, uh, it's only because I'm doing something that requires more focus at the time. Nice, nice. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're doing all right and you're you're occupying your time. One one last one last thing I want to ask you before we uh, wrap it up here. Is this the question you said you were saving for last earlier? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. With <laughs> I'm waiting on this one. All right, what do you got? All right, seventeen years in the business, and you've you've seen a lot. You've been wrestled. You got a, you got an amazing, um, impressive resume there. I will say that. I mean, it it speaks for itself. Your matches, everything yep. that you've done in the last seventeen years, speaks for itself. What is the one thing that someone comes up to you that's starting out in wrestling? What advice do you give them, or what and what advice would you give someone who's wanting to start out to be a wrestler? What would you give? So, what advice would I give to somebody aspiring to be a professional wrestler? Yes, and someone that's already in the business that comes to you it's still, and it's still early on yeah that says hey what what do i i need some advice what do i do um the so let me answer these backwards okay okay, okay. because the the one about the one about uh you know somebody who's already in wrestling who who might ask me for advice um that one's that one's easier and harder to answer okay only because that's it's going to be it's it's going to be tuned to whatever specific thing they're asking for advice for, um, but it, I just try to tell them like, uh, look, I, I've dealt with this or I've seen this. Um, my personality type handled it this way, and I learned it that I learned down the road maybe it wasn't the right way to handle it. Um, for, for people that are in the business that ask for advice, probably the one default thing I could say to them is uh, be mindful of what bridges you burn on your way in and on your way up because those are the same bridges you have to cross on your way down. And 
next time you may not receive as warm a welcome as you did when you came in. Um, don't forget where you came from because for the most part all of all wrestlers started in the same the same manner you know they got beat up in training until they proved that they wanted to be there they got taken on the road they were scared for their first match they were excited but they were scared um, and you you've had to learn a lot of hard lessons in wrestling because not all lessons are learned easy it's sometimes the best ones to learn are the hardest ones the ones that the ones that piss you off or the ones that make you go home and question whether or not you still want to do it or you know why this guy why not me or why am I having to do this when somebody else is getting to do this but their ability is half of mine you know and and, and it's all these things that come with it um, so just be mindful of the bridges you burn or the bridges you're crossing on your way up you don't want to burn them because you get you have to cross them on your way back down again and, and that's for people that are already in wrestling okay. um, because you get a lot of you get a lot of that well you know f this guy because he put his belt on somebody else instead of me you know or like well f them over there because like they're always palling around together you know but they like how come they don't want to pal around with me well maybe because you're sitting over there in the corner and you're bitching and crying all the time about about belts and about this shit like just chill out and play your part. And you play your part well enough, the person that's supposed to give you your opportunity will see you and give you that opportunity. If it hasn't come yet, it's not time yet. Just be patient. You know, and that's, that's I don't know, that's just something that kind of frustrates me a little bit that, that I see happen a lot is, is especially in the newer generation of wrestlers, is um, they're coming in at a different kind of environment than I came into because I right. came in I came in under guidance or like like when they spoke you listened and if you said well but you usually got the shit smacked out of you for it you know it was one of those where if they spoke you listened and then you could you had to learn how to ask the questions the right way because if you start off a question yeah but well like then that sounds like you're not even trying to absorb what they're teaching you you're trying to argue with them on why you think what you have to say makes more sense. And I'm sorry if you've only been in for a cup of coffee and you've got guys that have been around for years, a decade, and it's your first day, you don't need to be telling anybody anything or yeah, but anything, you know. Right. For new wrestlers, um, the number one thing I will tell every single person who has ever said they wanted to become a wrestler with me, uh, and this is from personal experience, have a freaking backup plan absolutely have a backup plan. Well, I thought about going to school, but I want to become a professional wrestler instead. I don't know what the language barrier is on your on your on your interview here. I'm just going to say unfiltered. F it's unfiltered. If you okay. need, yeah, if you need to say fuck uh, Yeah, fuck that. Have a backup plan, okay? Either learn a skill, uh go to school and get a, a degree in something. Find something that you have an interest in that you're already good at before you get into wrestling, okay? Because less than 1% actually make it to the big game. Most of us don't even get to make it that far as a player. Some of us only get to make it that far as an extra, which is not, it's not a bad thing, but that's not, nobody ever wants to land at being the bridesmaid. You know, everybody wants to be the bride, but not everybody can be. Some of us don't even get to make it that far, either due to family reasons, due to injuries. You know, I suffered a career-threatening injury six months after finishing, within a few months after finishing training with Shark. and was in the hospital uh, and almost didn't make it, which is a little inside note why my family is not so supportive of wrestling anymore, okay? But the minute that that happened, there goes any medical clearance for me to make it in any major promotion that's nationally featured. I knew that from the get-go. That didn't mean I could just show up back to wrestling and be lazy about it. I still needed to show my worth. I still needed to have some ability in the ring and show that I could adapt to the fact that I couldn't fly like I used to anymore. You know, or that you know something major happened. Certain certain bones or joints don't sit with their, where they're supposed to anymore. Range of motion is gone. Okay, you're, I mean, 17 years into this, and, and seven years ago, I was supposed to have neck fusion surgery that I never got around to doing. That was before the, the last major neck injury I just had that almost put me out of wrestling again. 
Prior to that, I dislocated my shoulder. You know, I've got two knees, but between the two of them, they can only build half a good knee. You know, one knee's held together by host dreams and scar tissue. You know, but I had to have a backup plan, so I I became an IT guy. You know, I work on computers for a living when I'm not wrestling. But without that fallback plan, I wouldn't be able to help support my wife or my daughter or my my son that's about to be born or anything else. I couldn't I couldn't take care of myself nor anybody else because I just wanted to play wrestler. And if you just want to play wrestler, go buy a fucking wrestling game and play wrestler on a fucking video game system. Okay? If you want to make it as a wrestler, have a fucking backup plan like a responsible adult. And then whenever things don't work out for you, you don't fall flat on your face and sit there and go, well, now I'm 25 and, and wrestling didn't work for me. And what am I supposed to do? Well, fuck face. It wasn't our responsibility to have something for you to do. It was your responsibility to have that lined up in the first place. Okay. And there's a lot of guys out there who don't have that. And it's not just wrestling. I'm noticing it with, with other things. Oh, well, yeah, I went to college, you know, and this isn't a knock on on anybody with a degree in psychology, but well, go to go go to bachelor's in psychology. Well, guess what? A lot of fucking people have bachelor's in psychology, and if you ask any fucking one of them, they would have told you the job market is shit because it's a very narrow field, and a bachelor's doesn't fucking cut shit with it. Okay, backup plans. You gotta have them. I don't care if you played sports in college or not. All right, if you don't make it to the majors, I sure hope to God that your fucking major that you picked in, in college is one that you can do something with because otherwise you're spending the next three years drifting listlessly wondering if you wasted your life. No, but you wait, you're wasting opportunities now. Wrestling is no different. So if you don't pad your fucking nest before you jump into the ring, when you get kicked out of the ring and you fall on the fucking concrete and wonder why it hurts, it's nobody else's fault but your own. All right? And this is, I mean, I'm 36 going on 37. I've got a second kid on the way. I've got a wife. You know, I got a place I got a, I got a place that we pay for. We got two cars, you know. And the only reason why half of that's even possible is because backup plan. Backup plan. You gotta, you gotta have that in place. Some guys will even tell you, oh, I'm thinking about being a professional wrestler. Don't. I'm not saying don't. I'm not telling you not to try to go for your dream. All right. I know what that's like. I had people tell me the same shit. I went for it anyway, but I had a backup plan, and you got to have that. You don't have a backup plan, and you think that 100% you're going to make it in wrestling. I know plenty of guys who made it all the way to the dance, and, I mean, some of them are doing pretty well for themselves now. Not all of them. Not all of them. Some of them, some of them can't even wrestle anymore. Some of them aren't even with us anymore, you know? I mean, you can't have a backup plan for death. You know, you know. I know some people wish that they could, but aside from that, you can't have a backup plan. You, you can't come into wrestling and not have a backup plan. You can't. There's, it's, it's just it, that's that's childish and irresponsible as far as I'm concerned. And I don't give a fuck if you if if anybody says otherwise. You know, you yeah, you got to commit to wrestling. You have a plan in place first. So, yeah. I. I agree. Backup plan. Backup plan. One one guy. <laughs> one well. One guy that sticks out with a backup plan. He's in. He's in WWE. Uh, Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. He went and. Uh, he went and got a uh, PhD. So I mean, I forgot what what it was in there, but yeah, yeah. Backup plan. That's that's smart. I I like that. That's. The best advice, and I've asked this question a hundred times to, or quite a bit of times to people, and yours, I like yours the best out of everyone that I've asked about being a wrestler. What what advice you give? And I think right there, goddamn, <laughs> that's the best advice <laughs> I you can take right there. And we're gonna we're gonna leave it on that right there. I want to thank you, Jay West. For coming on here and talking with me about about FGW and a lot of the great talent that I see every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on Shockwave and on YouTube and 
just some great stuff, man. The great conversation. I got to get you back on again. <laughs> It'll be fun. I can uh, I can let the grizzled old vet side of me come out a little bit more. <laughs> oh no, that's fine, man. That's fine. You know what? I like it. I like it. I I I hope someone when they watch this, listen to this uh, episode here. Hope they take away something from it that you know especially helps. And, and, the last little thing I'll say is that's anytime I ever teach anybody anything, whether I teach them something about wrestling, if I teach them something outside of wrestling, it doesn't matter. Uh, I always tell them the same thing. I'm going to throw a hundred things at you. I'm going to go fast. I don't expect you to remember everything I said, but if you walk away with one thing I said, if you walk away and you remember one thing I taught you, then I've done my job. And that's, that's it. I, I'll, I'll machine gun fire information all day, but if you walk away with one, I've done my job. Excellent. Excellent. Social media. You're on social media. Where can people find more of yourself on social media at? Uh, Facebook, uh, J West dash official wrestler, uh, is my Facebook page. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I don't, I don't use it as much as I should. I really need to get up on that, but, uh, uh, Twitter at J the mayor 21, a little family guy reference there. And then, um, yeah, those are those are the two main ones I use. So, all right, excellent, excellent. I want to thank you for coming on here on this episode and durable homemade face mask. You can pick them up over on uh, on the Facebook group page TD and Company. The masks are five dollars each. Give them a call or text over at three eight six eight eight two eight seven zero four, and. Uh, they are making them like crazy over there. They're getting orders in every day. So be sure to uh, hit them up. I do you want to mention about Podcast Scene Network, your top source for independent podcasting? Head over to Podcast Scene Net. Check out shows such as The Everett Lee Show, Chris Carnage Show, Final Score, Imaginarium with Scott and Todd, Super Radio Brothers, Deathmatch Wrestle Podcast, Wrestle Popcast. Best Friend Podcast Show and much, much more around podcastc.net. Hit them up on Facebook, Podcast C Network. Send them a tweet over on Twitter at Podcast C Net. Subscribe for video podcast over on YouTube channel, Podcast City Network. And you want more Everett Lee Show? Hit up Everett Lee on social media over on Facebook right here, Everett Lee Show. And send me a tweet on Twitter at the Everett Lore Score Lee. Instagram, Everett Lee Show. And the audio portions of this podcast, previous release podcast. Hit me up on YouTube, Everett Lee Show, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and Podbeam, and iHeartRadio. Everyone that's viewing and downloaded this episode, thank you so much for viewing and listening. And I will see you again next week for another episode of the Everett Lee Show.